Uh, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 3, beginning in verse uh, 10. Chapter 3, verse 10. And I'm just going to go for it because I think this is going to be really obvious. We ended in verse 10 last week. And it, last week, I think, was a tough sermon. Uh, it, it wasn't so much a tough sermon as much as it was. It's a, just a tough passage. And you'll see why. I'm going to end. Uh, I'm going to pick up where we left off last week because really this is what's going to lead us into the next thought right here. So chapter 3, verse 10 says this. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Let's, let's kind of uh, get acquainted with this idea. There's two families. There's two families. There, there is the family of God, and then there is the family of the devil. Welcome to Outward Church. Like, like, what team are you on? What family are you in? It, it, is, it is a black and white issue to God. Either you are in his family, or you are a part of the family of the devil. It's just that clear. And this is so hard, because in our day, right here and right now, we don't want to be told that we are a part of the family of the devil. Nobody does. The idea of sin the idea of doing something morally wrong is kind of lost on us because of relativism, which is the idea that says, you know, what, what is true for you is true for you, and, and whatever is true for them is true for them, and so we have our own truth, and so we live by that truth, and so there's really no moral right or wrong. It's only what you believe is right or wrong, and so that's incredibly foolish thinking. What this says here is it's saying this, by this it is clear, it is obvious, it, is, it, is, it shows us who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness, now this whole thing about practicing righteousness was last week. Last week we are talking about this moral test of what it means to be a believer in Jesus Christ. This moral test shows us that like, if I'm not practicing righteousness and I'm continually making a practice of sin, if sin is a part of my everyday life and I just kind of go, you know, it just doesn't matter that much. It doesn't, it's not really that big of a deal. It doesn't really matter to me. It shouldn't matter to anybody else. That, that, that is called practicing sin, unrighteousness. That's a part of the family of the devil, so that was the moral test. Now he's getting into the love test. And so he says, nor is the one who does not love his brother, he says. Now let me read the new passage that we're going over today. He says, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that you should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one, same same person there, of the evil one, of the devil. Don't be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, 
that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Now, here we go. Top of this passage here says this. For this is the message that you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. What's he talking about there? He's saying, hey, you remember what Jesus said? Do you remember what Jesus has been talking about? Do you know, remember what that looks like? What that looks like is this. He says in John 13, 34 through 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, let's just start there. He's referencing, I believe that, because that's coming out of his gospel. That's coming out of what he wrote by the power of the Holy Spirit. And here he is. He's pointing back to that in 1 John. And so he's saying, hey, do you remember what Jesus said? Do you remember what, what, what he said in, in that instance? Now, why do we need to hear that? Why do we need to know that? Because here's the main problem with us. Here's the main issue with all of us. And that is, it is just as simple as this. Each one of us, on some level or another, hates other people. It's just, I mean, there's just nothing sexy about it. I can't, like, make it sound any better than that. It's just like we have residing in us hatred towards other people. And it happens immensely in the local church. It happens in the local church as we engage together. This is primarily speaking about that. It does not exclude people outside of the church, but it is primarily talking about us in the church. And John wants to remind us, God wants to remind us of this. Don't you remember what Jesus said? Don't you remember when he gave us the new commandment, which was that you would love one another? That you would love each other. And here's the thing, that the greatest level of mission, the greatest level of us being able to communicate to our society, that their biggest need, the thing that they, that they need the most, which is not necessarily to just stop sinning, their biggest need is Jesus. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, that I am real, that I am God in the flesh, that I am a part of the Godhead, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they will know that you're a part of my thing when you love one another. But here's the thing. We could go through our lives, we could think about all of our friendships, we could think about the people that we have been involved with in church or in churches past, or somebody who is supposed to be a brother or a sister in Christ, and we can look back at that and we can say, Gosh, I hate that person. I mean, if, if, if we're really being honest. 
And it's, it's just emphatically against who Jesus is. That is not the right family. That is incongruent with who Jesus is. And so the question is, are we of Jesus or are we of the devil? Look at what he says here. He says, we should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Talking about Cain and Abel in the book of Genesis. We're going to be preaching through Genesis, God willing, here in the fall. And so I'm not going to go into great detail there. But there's a guy named Cain. There's a guy named Abel. They both bring an offering to God. Abel's was acceptable to God. Cain's was not. And so Cain gets upset. And he goes and kills his brother Abel. Why did he kill him? Well, because his deeds were evil. And Cain, or Abel's deeds were righteous. That's, it, it, think about how simple this is. It's just, it's just that simple. There's this guy, Cain, is the prototype. He is the first man in this sense that ultimately end up setting the pace for murder, which came out of a deep hatred for his literal brother. He killed him. And so he says in verse 13, don't be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. And so, wh why, why does he say that? So we could take from that, we could say, you know what, see, this is why the world hates us. is because we're Christians and they're not. And, that's, and that's, what's, that's, that's why they hate us, that kind of a deal. And we can kind of build ourselves up quite a bit. We can we kind of look at that. But wh what I think he's really trying to say is he's saying, listen, this is the pattern of the world. This is what they do. They don't like your righteous deeds, and so there's going to be at least some, but really the whole thrust of the world, even though there's nice people at times that are like, I think Jesus is cool, but I just, you know, I don't want to follow him, but I really respect what you have to do. But that's not the norm. The norm is that our world is against. It is diametrically opposed. It is underneath the rule and the reign of the evil one. And it is diametrically opposed to us, having a relationship with God and being righteous. And so he's saying Cain is the prototype of this. He is the one that insta in instigated this. He is of the evil one. And so don't be surprised when the world hates you because that's what the world does. That's, that's just who the world is. And so he says in verse 14, we know, we know, that we have passed out of death and into life. This is how we know. Do you want to know how you know how you know? How do you know that you've passed out of death unsaved? How do you know that you've passed out of death not with God? How do you know that you've passed out of death practicing sinfulness into life. God saving you. God's act of salvation in your life. Awakening you from death. A resurrection. Awakening you and giving you the ability to even ask for his grace. How do you know? How do you know? We know 
Now, look at this also. Why is he saying we know? He, the, in uh, verse 10, by this is, it is evident. Verse 14, we know. Uh, verse 16, by this we know. It's because of these Gnostics, this other, this other uh, heresy that was going on during the day. These people talking about uh, this secret knowledge that they have. And John is saying, hey, it's not so secret. Jesus said this a while ago. This is not secret knowledge. This is, it's open to the public. Everybody saw Jesus get crucified. That's what was going on there. Uh, this, is, this is open to everybody. This, this is something that we should know. And he's saying, here's what we really know. Forget about these Gnostics who are saying, oh yeah, I've got the secret knowledge with God. No, this is what we know. That we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. We know that we have relationship with God when we are loving people. We know that we are walking with him. We know that we are connecting with him. We know and we have confidence when something in us says, I got to lo love this guy even though he's such a jerk, right? I'm loving these people because he loved me. He, he's, he's saying that there is a test here. And the test is this. Do you love people? Do you love the church? Why don't you engage in community if, you're, if you aren't in the church? Why don't you engage in community? Perhaps you're you're self-conscious or you just, you don't make friends very easily and that's understandable, that's, that's difficult sometimes. But still, we're commanded to love. Why don't you engage in community? Are you loving the, the church? Are you loving God's people? Or are you just disengaged from that idea? Because Jesus says one of the most missional things, missional means evangelistic. It's going to show the world that you love Jesus. That, that one of the most missional things that you could do is that you would love other believers. That you love one another. Guys, the entire world does this. Their prototype is Cain. Do you want to be on Cain's team, because Cain is on the devil's team. This seems so rudimentary. But how many of us need to figure this out? How many churches have we heard about that implode from inside because there's hatred between parties? How many times have we seen these fights and these battles, even in our own church, because there's hatred among us like, it's just flat-out sin. It's of the devil. That's the wrong team. We can't do that because we're not representing Christ. This is not what he's about. So this is the test. Whoever does not love abides in death. In case the last verse wasn't clear, if, if you're not loving, you are abiding in you're walking in death. I think John's trying to say here, hey, listen, you're walking in the wrong direction. I know that he's not saying, hey, you've lost your salvation, now come back. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, no, you're abiding in. 
you're drinking of, you're taking in, you're processing, you're engaging with the family of the devil. You're abiding in that. You're not abiding in Jesus Christ. You're not abiding in this. He says in verse 15, he says, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Ah, oh, good grief. John, let it go already. I mean, like, do we need to continue on? Like, okay, we got it. You know, I'm abiding in death. Like, this is not, not like, no. He's like, let's take it a step further. No, let, let me really make it clear. When you hate your brother, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And where does he get that? Well, Jesus. Matthew 5, 21 through 22. Don't turn there. I'll, I'll just read it. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. This guy's really serious about loving, right? Like, that's just, that's insane. Jesus is the one who said, I know that we were just kind of good rule keepers. Like, I haven't stabbed anybody this week. Like, it's, like I'm, I'm doing better now. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not really doing that any longer. But he's saying, no, it's, it's not just the physical act of killing someone. Like, you shouldn't kill people. Like, we all kind of know that. Jesus is saying, no, at the root of the person who kills, what's in the heart there is hatred. It is anger. And it is an anger. Hatred is an anger that says, I want you gone. Not just gone from here, but gone in life. I want to take your life. You might say, you know, I would never do that. But, you know, I'm not going to be disappointed if you walk off a cliff while you're reading a text message or something. Right? <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. I mean, we've prayed for that occasionally, right? Uh, maybe you haven't. Sorry. Um, but... <laughs> I've never prayed that about any of you guys for the most part, but um, <laughs> Jesus says, like, if it's not just that you would kill somebody, it's that, it's that you would even have that anger, that you would even have that hatred. We talk about politics here a lot, hopefully to offend you, and um, the reason why we do that is because our, our political sensibilities need to be offended. Because some of us are way too tied to our politics. We're supposed to be about the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of America. The kingdom of America is not the kingdom of God. America isn't going to usher in the kingdom of God. Jesus is going to usher in his own kingdom. But we can get so tied into our political leanings, either left or right, Republican or Democrat. We can get so tied into that. And what comes out of our mouth? I've been there. Hey, I, I have political leanings. I do. That need to be submitted to Jesus Christ. Because I, if I listen long enough to the world, 
if I listen long enough to the family of Cain, if I listen long enough to his family, then what happens to me is that I, I can just be like, dude, I want to blow these guys out of the water. Like, Lord, wipe them off the face of the map. I hate them. That is murder on my part because I hate the other side in those moments. Do you let the world speak to you about how you should hate? Do you let the world, is there a constant level of podcasts, radio shows, whatever, that are suiting your needs, that are suiting your desires, your leanings? Is that what's going on? Because what's going on there is that we are uh, specifically violating what Jesus has said, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Do you understand that the anger that we have towards the other side does not suit people who are believers in Jesus Christ and a part of the family of God? We must, as God's people, not just love one another, but understand that to violate this law is to commit murder. So, this is what uh, Danny Aiken says about this. Let me read the verse entirely first. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. All of us should come to a point where there's deep pause that comes in our life because of that verse. John wrote it by the power of the Holy Spirit, inspired by God, so that you and I would say, oh, okay, am I, am I ab abiding in, in murder? <laughs> is, that, is that what I'm doing? And this is what uh, Danny Aiken says. He says, whatever one claims, the absence of love proves that one, that a person still remains outside the sphere of the life of God and in the realm of death and darkness. He says, this statement serves as a stern warning for anyone at any time who finds an absence of love in his or her heart. For those in the community of faith, it should be an occasion for soul-searching and careful examination to see whether you are in the faith. And he's referencing 2 Corinthians 13.5, which says that. You should test yourself. Now, here's where we go wrong. You cannot look back to a time when you walked the aisle. This is what John is saying. Make no mistake. You cannot look back to a time that you prayed a prayer. You may be able to, but you cannot look back at that and say definitively, yes, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ because of that. You cannot look back even to your baptism. Do you see what John is saying here? John is not saying, hey, look back to a prayer, look back to an aisle, look back to uh, a crusade that you became a believer in, look back to your baptism, look back to those things. John says this, and God is saying this to us. Do you love? 
Do you love people? Because if you don't love people, you have to ask the question, do I know Christ? Do I have relationship with Christ? Every single one of us is in that boat, guys. Every single one of us. And it's not to make us scared or to destabilize us. It is because God wants us to think about. He wants us to be aware. He wants us to be ever more conscious of how we are walking with him. And people often say, well, I, 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 I hate a lot of people and I don't want to be on that team. I don't want to be a part of that. Well, here's, here's good news for people like you and me. The good news is this. People who are in the family of the devil don't worry about that. They don't worry about whether they're on the family of God or not. Do you know who worries about that? Do you know who thinks about that? Do you know who contemplates that? People who are children of God. Why? Because they want to be on God's team. Why? Because God awakened them. God has saved them. And so what is John trying to do here? John is trying to awaken us to the reality of you cannot walk like this consistently and claim to be a believer. You cannot continue to do this. Sin with impunity, whatever it is, hate people and think, yeah, everything's fine. You know, sometimes we have church discipline for things that we think are egregious. You know what we need to have church discipline for? Hatred. You can't hate this person. This is not a part of God's family. Let's talk about this. Let, let's, let's work towards discipleship and what it means to love people. And if we can't come to a point of love, then, then we need to have a longer conversation about that. Verse 16, the great hope, the reason why we would do all this. By this we know love. By this we know love. This is the way that we know love. This is what showed us love. This is how we even have an, any idea what love is. This is what our entire world is about. This is what every great story has in it. This is what every great movie that you watch and just say, that was so incredible. It's because of this. It's because of this idea. It's because of this thought. It's because of this. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us. Did you know that the only way to know real love is by that story, the greatest story that was ever told? That story is the story that communicates love to us. So what's happening when I hate my brother or my sister in Christ or really anybody for that matter, but he is specifically talking about the body of Christ here. But what's happening there? What have I forgotten? It's not that I just forgot the don't hate people rule and as a result don't murder people rule. It's not just that because this isn't moralism. What's John saying? John is saying you don't even know the gospel. You don't even know the beginning point. Remember what I just said? You cannot look back to walking down the, down the aisle. You cannot look back to praying a prayer. You cannot look back to being at a crusade and walking the aisle at the Billy Graham crusade. You cannot look back to your baptism. Why? Because of this, if love is not a part of your life, you don't even know the gospel. You haven't even heard the first word. You, you haven't even understood. You have not received the forgiveness and grace of Jesus Christ. 
This is how we know love. You know love if you know this, that he laid down his life for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While Jesus Christ is dying for me, I'm sinning against him. I'm not one of the disciples who's going, oh, my Lord, he's, he's being put to death. I'm at least one of the disciples who's like, I don't know him. I don't know what you're talking about. I run away. But more likely, do you know who I am? I'm the guy who's saying, save yourself, Jesus. Just do it, man. You think you're God? Get off that thing. <laughs> Come on. See, all of us want to think that I'd be one of the disciples, but the truth is, is that while Jesus is dying on that cross, I'm sinning against him. While I'm still sinning against him, he dies for me. How in the world can I go on hating people when Jesus loves me? How? I've sinned against him egregiously. I'm, I hear him in my head through the power of the Holy Spirit saying, don't do it, Matt. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's all right. You went to the cross, Jesus. Ah. And he forgives? Because if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. He just forgives and he forgives. How do I go about not forgiving? How is that in any way a part of who Jesus is or having a relationship with God? It isn't. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. What, what does this mean? When there's an offense between two people, there's a debt that must be paid. Someone, someone does something to you, and either you take that, either you take that and you say, okay, I'm, I'm just going to allow that to, to, uh, to rest on me, I'm going to deal with, I'm going to deal with the way that they sin against me, or you get back at them, you punch them harder. You, tr you, you try to go, go after them. I remember, as a young man, someone very close to me was brutalized. Like, got their tail kicked, bloody, bruised up. It was awful. I had to go pick him up and totally messed up. I mean, several guys had beat him up. I grabbed my 357 and I put it in the truck, and I knew what neighborhood he was in. And I went and I drove around that neighborhood, and I was looking for somebody to shoot. I was like 21. Dude, what would have happened if I'd killed somebody? I would not be standing here. I remember driving around in this cul-de-sac just so angry. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I, I want to take this out on somebody so badly. I want to injure somebody so badly because they've hurt this person. I wanted justice for this. And I began to think to myself about how that is just going to begin this downward spiral, spiral in my life. I could kill one of them and they're going to maybe come kill one of me. I don't know. 
Just keep going, keep going, keep going. Do you know that that's what our world is doing? It's this for that. It's trading barbs. It's trading tweets. It's trading insults. Do you know that when we have marital difficulties in our lives, that that is what is taking place. That we are continually just giving it right back to them. We're just going after them. And, and we're just giving that back to them. It's hatred. It's responding in hatred. It really is desiring that person to be dead. You say, these Dateline episodes are so crazy. Why did that guy kill his wife? Did you know that you and I are capable of killing? Like that's a part of who we are? That is the end result of that. That is what's going on. What's the response to that? That he laid down his life for us and so we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. What does that mean? It means I get insulted and I lay my life down. Why? Because Jesus laid his life down for me. And when we don't, we do not know love. I lay my life down when someone insults me politically and the political party that I, that I like. I lay my life down when somebody insults Christianity. I lay my life down when somebody wants something different in the church that I don't want. I lay my life down. Husbands, you lead in this in my home when my wife wants something that I don't want. I lay my life down. Why? Because he laid his life down for me. It is called a gospel orientation. The gospel is not just the beginning of your Christian life. It is everything. It is the way that you live the Christian life. You lay your life down. You lay your life down. Why? Because Jesus laid his life down. And then he says this, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Now stop right there for a second and think about this. Why did he just say this? What's this social justice aspect here? Like we're just talking about hatred and then he's like, yeah, and you ought to give people food. Like if they, they need, it just seems weird. No, what he's saying is this. Listen, don't be on the murder team don't be hating people. But you, you should love people. Why? Because Jesus loved you. But don't just say that you love them. Actually love them. Because it's really easy to say, yeah, I love the church. Without actually loving people in the church. John says this. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and yet closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? It's not just that you don't that you just don't respond to giving somebody the middle finger or shooting them. It's not just that you like, oh, I haven't done anything like that. I don't respond angrily. And John is saying, like, just because you don't do those things doesn't make you righteous. That doesn't change things. Do you know what? Do you know what does work? You know what? How you know when you actually got the gospel? It's when you have, you have the world's goods. And you see the needs of the people around you, even people that you don't like. Even people 
that you don't like. And you, instead of closing your heart, you open your heart to them. Now, what does this say? Does every person that I see walking down the street need to get a five from me? Hey, buddy, go get yourself a, you know, whatever, some food or whatever you want to do tonight. You know, something like that. Like, that's not what it's saying. It's saying that there is, this word sees is to observe something with continuity and attention. And he's saying, do not respond by closing your heart. Do not respond with conscious indifference. So it's not just that I don't hate or don't kill people, but it's that I do love and I show that love to other people. I actually give of myself to them. And he says, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed or truth, deed and truth. Do you understand this? That we can talk a big game about Jesus. Do you know why the world hates us sometimes? Christians, evangelicals? It's not, it's not because we're so righteous. It's because we are self-righteous. We're self-righteous. And we have a lot of divorce. And we have a lot of abortions that we say that we oppose. And we have a lot of struggles and we have, and we have, and we have. We, we're self-righteous, saying we've got our stuff together when, when we really don't. When we really don't. So what's the cure for that? What's the cure for that? It is humble acknowledgement. It is confession and repentance on a regular basis, even publicly. Claiming the grace of Jesus Christ claiming that he is the one that laid his life down for us, and so we lay our lives down for people. What if we shut our mouths and we opened our wallets? What if we shut our mouths and we were to lay our lives down for people? Then I think the real hatred can begin. Like now I hate those people for real. Because what they're doing is righteous. What they're doing is giving of themselves. And do you know what that'll be motivated by? But it is by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Men and women of Outward Church, I cannot say it any more clearly. I almost didn't want to give this sermon because it feels so rudimentary. But it's so stinking simple. Stop hating people. Because that is what belongs to the prototype Cain in the family of the devil. Start loving people because that is what shows that you're a child of God. It does not save you. It shows that God has saved you. God will never leave you nor forsake you if you are his. What you must do is you must love people. You must love people others. How are we doing that? You know what's hard? It's hard to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to show up to the thing that I said I was going to be a part of, whether it's community group. You know, we can come up with a lot of excuses as to why I wouldn't show up for community group. So, you know, you know what that's about? It's about loving myself a lot of the time. I, I'm tired that's self-love. 
That's not laying your life down for others. You know what we have a lot of? We have a lot of, we have a lot of needs in our city. We have a, a lot of things that we wanna take on as a church, but sometimes we just don't have people that even wanna do it. We got a generation of people that are all excited, all excited about social justice, yet completely unexcited about signing up to engage in social justice. And we are all talk and we are no action sometimes. But that is a sin that Jesus went to the cross for. Can we engage with the gospel this morning so that each of us can say, God, what would you have me be a part of? Where do I need to lay my life down? Who do I need to love? Would you bow your heads with me? I just want you to take a moment right now. And I, I really want to ask you, because there's, there's a lot of us in this room, if you would try to get in your mind's eye the person that you know that you hate. I got one myself. Who is that person? Is it somebody who severely injured you as a, as a child? Loving them doesn't mean that you have to open yourself up to abuse again. Loving them might mean telling the truth about them. Who do you hate? How can you give that to Jesus? And more than just the hatred, how do you need to lay your life down? How can you give of the goods that God has given you? Your time, your giftings, perhaps your finances. How could you, how could you love with those things? Jesus laid his life down. Can you... Can you participate with that? Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I, this just seems like one of the most basic things that we could, that we could talk about this morning. Lord, it, it's convicting for me just because I'm, I'm a rough dude sometimes. I just don't feel loving. But Lord, I pray that you'd, you'd convict each and every one of us of, of how to be a disciple that's, that's walking with you. And not somebody who's just playing for the devil's team. Lord, help us by the power of your spirit. Lord, enable us to walk in your spirit. Lord Jesus, it's in your name we pray, amen.